My birthday is January the 9th and my friend Tom's is the 14th and we had a kind of semi-tradition of like going away on an adventure. We were making plans of going down to Switzerland, a place called Interlaken, a small town in between two lakes, hence the name. And so we were talking about this at dinner at my friend Tom's house. His flatmate, who we will call Sarah, she was there as well and we were having dinner and we were talking about oh yeah I'd like quite to go to Switzerland and Sarah was saying oh well, yeah my dad's got a flat in Switzerland and it's near Interlaken like if you go to Interlaken you get there from Interlaken I would imagine it'd be totally fine to go down like we have friends over and it's not being used for most of the year so you guys are welcome to go down so we were like, ah, oh, it's amazing, that's great, sure it's going to be right. She's like, yeah, I've checked with my dad. So we followed it up and she said, yeah, I've checked, it's not being used, you can pick up the keys from the hotel next to it. And she knew the name of the hotel, she gave us all the details, and we just thought, this is going to be great. We planned the whole thing, we booked ferry tickets, we got the car together and booked the time of work and all that kind of stuff. Over the period from when we first organised it, she was telling us all these things about the flat, like there are amazing walks from this place. It was like a village near Interlaken. In the garage underneath the flat, there's like a, a skidoo, you know, like a whatever it's called, like they have on uh, like James Bond style. And like, yeah, and the two of you can get on it and you can go around the keys, I'm sure, like if you totally find any licence or anything for it. Great. There's uh, like nice restaurants, gave us the name of a restaurant that we were going to go to as well for like our birthday treat. Uh, and so we were all packed up and ready to go. Left really, really early in the morning to get the first ferry uh, and then went on this long drive down to Switzerland. So I think it was going to take like six or seven hours, something like that. And as we were going down the motorway and down the autobahns, we were trying to get more information from Sarah about uh, where we need to go and collect the keys and the timings. And she said, yeah, I've organised it with the hotel. you just got to go to reception and say that you're a friend of Sarah's. Great. So we got there, and it was getting pretty late. It would have been really dark and obviously cold, January, high up in the mountains in Switzerland. We were kind of freezing cold, and it had been a really long drive, so we were super tired and a little bit road-weary. So we got there, and the hotel was there, as described. And my friend Tom got out of the car, went to the hotel, and was gone for like quite a while. And I was like, huh. Not worried, but just thinking, God, I hope this is all right. It's going to be a pain in the ass if we have to faff around and stuff. And we found where the flat was in the meantime. So Tom came back and just said, oh, they didn't have the keys, but they're going to see if they can um, sort it out. Like, they seem to be aware that this is a thing that happened. So we had, like, a little walk around to kill some time before going back to the hotel. 
there was like huts with all these like um, foxes hanging outside them that had been gutted and it all started to get a little bit creepy and weird. We were starting to get a little bit worried because we hadn't heard from the hotel and we hadn't heard from Sarah either. We'd kind of called her a few times to say, oh, can you double check? But she wasn't returning our calls. And we just thought, oh, no, this is, this is going to be a bit annoying. We might have to find somewhere to stay. And we were thinking, like, maybe the hotel would be good. So we checked back at the hotel for the second time. And again, Tom just went in on his own, came out and just said, they don't know where the keys are and who, you know, Sarah would have spoken to. So this was the kind of mystery. We had Sarah's surname and there was a similar surname to Sarah's on the buzzer for the address that she'd given us. And we were like, oh, maybe it's like um, an English-Swiss translation. You know, maybe that's the reason why, that there's this different name. I think Tom said that to the hotel people, like, oh, it might be this name, might be this name. And they just didn't know. We didn't know what to do. The hotel's too expensive to stay in. We kind of budgeted for fuel and a bit of food, but not for accommodation, because obviously we had this place of Sarah's for the week. It was getting really late, and we couldn't get in touch with Sarah, and we weren't getting any texts or anything from her. And so we decided, because we were so sure we were going to get the accommodation for the next six days, that we would just sleep in the car, which seemed like a good idea, because it was all kind of, it was kind of, the spirits were high, and we were like, hey, I'll sleep in the car, it'll be an adventure, we'll go down and find a really picturesque spot down by the lakes at Interlaken. So I drove down the windy mountain road, got to this little spot next to the lake, pulled in, I think maybe went to the shop and got a few beers and had some food and stuff, and slept in the car but in the night got so cold just with the two of us in the car I just couldn't sleep at all and I tried to sleep in the passenger seat and then I tried to sleep on the back seat kind of like half stretched out and then I put the back seats down and tried to sleep with my legs in the boot with like a sleeping mattress and it was just not happening at all So we woke up in the morning, and I think that morning was my birthday. And we went back up the windy road, back to this village, whatever it was called, back to the hotel. We picked up some eggs on the way and had boiled eggs on the camping stove outside the car and checked back into the hotel. And they just said, no, we've, we've spoken to everyone. We don't know anything about it. And at this point, we started to try and figure out what happened, like entertain the idea that there'd been some mistake in where we were going our address but we had the right address and then we were thinking like oh maybe it's like a different day and we we're supposed to pick the keys up later but we looked back and I think we had an email that had all the information on and we were definitely doing the right thing and we'd spoken to Sarah like on the way down you know she knew where we were the day we were going because Tom lived with her she was like you know waved him off presumably so she knew the whole plan and then it kind of slowly dawned on us that maybe things weren't all right with Sarah and maybe, like, we kind of whittled down all the possible explanations to a point where the only one left was that it was just a lie and that she'd sent us down there. That seemed to be a logical conclusion, but then the more we kind of interrogated that idea of, like, oh, but then why would she have let us leave the UK if it was just a lie? Why would she let us go to those lengths, be in communication with us as we're driving through France to get there? 
it, it was like didn't make sense but we couldn't think of any other reason why we'd be in this situation I think we actually stumped up for like a hostel on the second night because we were still clinging on to the fact that because the idea of this amazing thing that had been sold to us like there's this skidoo in the garage and you can drive around really fast and it's beautiful, there's a big log fire and everything like that and we were just like, it's worth holding out for that surely so we stayed in a little um, hostel in Interlaken for another night and we kind of well rested and well fed and the next day I don't think we'd heard from her at all and we just thought we can't afford another night in expensive Switzerland anyway and so we kind of thought right we've just got to get on the road so we actually ended up driving through Germany we went to Baden-Baden uh, the spa and it was really nice and I think we just found these cheap hostels and then went up to Cologne and we saw some friends there which is actually really really nice and then we went up through Bruges and then when we hit Bruges it was Tom's birthday so that would have been five days later we got into Bruges just as a massive snowstorm fell covered the whole car in snow we went out that evening and the only people that were out they were like people in skis going around Bruges and uh, they're like a lot of the pubs were closed but the ones that were open were just packed full of people and their big snow coats and everything and like everyone was out for this wicked time but then we just walked around Bruges like all night finding different groups of people going to different pubs having snowball fights with people like in the main square it was amazing and then we made this massive snowball I've still got this really crappy pixelated sort of 2007 video somewhere on a computer from my phone at the time of Tom just rolling this huge snowball along the side of a river and slipping and sliding and nearly falling in and then like holding this in the snowball was like six foot tall eventually we were like Whoa, and then it fell in the water and uh, we laughed it was great I count that as like the mythological best night of my life So that never would have happened had we not had this sort of mishap with the uh, accommodation in Switzerland. So over that week, we'd come to the conclusion, like process of elimination, she must be lying. Because if she was mistaken, that would have come up in the planning process. And if we were mistaken, she wouldn't have let us leave because we'd gone through the plans with her. But that didn't seem satisfying. We weren't like, oh yeah, she was just lying the whole time. It wasn't like, it, it was a difficult thing to kind of process without a confession. So we ended up, obviously got back safely, had a really nice time in the end, which was great. But then when we got back, the fly in the ointment, I guess, for Sarah, was that Tom lived with her. So there wasn't any escaping what we kind of now realised was a lie. Tom is like a, a no-nonsense kind of guy. So I would have been really scared. I would have been scared to see her and to have to confront her and ask what happened. Kind of knowing the answer in the back of my mind, I think I'd rather would have just lived somewhere else and never seen her again rather than confront the issue. But Tom kind of relishes stuff like that, I think. So he, uh, he confronted her, at which point she broke down in tears and said that she's always doing stuff like this. <laughs> and like it makes you think, like, what like what are the other victims like the trail of destruction that she must have left in her path and that she was in love with Tom and she did it because she wanted to just impress him and she wanted to make him happy and all this stuff 
So I don't know whether, like, to what extent any of that was a lie. It becomes this weird kind of, like, logic problem where it's like, well, if that's a lie, then is that also a lie? And if that's the case, then why she said, and you can end up just, like, tying yourself in knots. So I don't know whether she was really in love with Tom. I mean, he's a lovely guy, but that could have been a lie as well. We never got to the bottom of that. I think it basically soured their kind of, like, relationship. And um, Tom eventually moved out. I feel quite bad for Sarah. She was really upset after the fact, and it must have been really embarrassing for her. But Tom just thought, nah, she's just an idiot. Like Almost like he thought she'd done it deliberately to kind of mess us about, to screw us over. Whereas I think my stance is a little bit more empathetic. Like, she's obviously had problems. And speaking to mutual friends since, Tom said she's fallen out with other people about this kind of stuff as well. So, yeah, I, I do feel bad for her. But that's tempered slightly by the fact that we did have a rough couple of days. So looking back, it's just like, um, it's just what happens in life, you know. What's John Lennon? Life's what happens when you're making other plans. So we had this grand plan to go to Switzerland and we had almost this exact prescriptive idea of like how this place is going to be and the things we're going to do. And after the first two days, we weren't even in Switzerland and we were totally like out on the lamb just trying to find like something to do with our time found a friend we hadn't seen for ages had a wicked time in Germany and an amazing time in Bruges and just kind of it was a fun sort of bonding experience as well even though we've been friends for years and years it was just another funny thing to look back on like if I had like the lever to pull I don't think I'd change it I wouldn't swap a week in that luxury apartment for the week that we ended up having I'm Eva Krisiak, the producer of Everyone Else. That's it for Series 4. Thanks to all of you listeners out there for joining us. I'd also like to thank Tori Ferenc, my photographic sidekick, who's responsible for most of the beautiful portraits that sit alongside the audio. You can see those on Instagram, on the handle Everyone Studio. taking some time out now but please check in on our social media enjoy your summer and make sure to start your own conversations whilst we're not here with your friends your neighbors strangers and everyone else